Welcome to Hearsay Social on the Air, episode 65. We love to make great products. Our mission is to make the world more open and connected. Google's mission is to organize Yahoo is about the past and future daily Around the clock, America's deep mind. More than 20 years ago, the radio was learning to talk. Coming to you from our world headquarters in San Francisco, welcome to Hearsay Social on the Air. I'm Victor Gaxiola, and joining me today, we have two very special guests. Uh, some of you will recognize Joyce, who is here. She was uh, profiled in episode 33, and then also joined me when we did the Ben Henry right. episode, which was episode 47. Mm-hmm. You kind of helped kind of kick things started, right? Yep. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was. And then joining us today, first-timer, is Kristen. Hello. So, as you could tell from the title... We are gonna talk about the Grace Hopper celebration because the two of you were there. We also released the blog post with kind of the high level highlights. But before we go into those details, just as a refresher for those people who may not recognize or, or know you, why don't we start with Joyce and then we'll go to Kristen. Just tell us a little bit about what you do here at Hearsay Social. Sure, hi, um, I'm Joyce. I'm one of the engineers at Hearsay Social. I've been here for Oh gosh, almost four years now. Wow. I know it's been a while. Um, And I focus on um, the compliance side of our product and I have been focusing on that side for a couple years now. And our team is growing and it's been a whole lot of fun. Yeah. And Kristen? Yes, hi, I'm Kristen. I am on the engineering team as well. I haven't been here quite as long as Joyce. It's only (laughs) been about a year and a half. Um, But I am on our new mail product. Well, great. It's good to have you on the show. All right, so let's start talking about, because I think one of the big questions on a lot of people's mind is, who was Grace Hopper? So I kept hearing people saying, you know, the Grace Hopper celebration, Grace Hopper. Got to tell you, I actually had to go look it up. But then when I did, when I saw the Wikipedia report on Grace Hopper, there was an entry there. And then there was a great documentary. It was like 15 to 16 minutes long. And we'll include that as part of the show notes Mm -hmm. so people can take a look. Amazing, amazing, amazing woman. Uh, mm-hmm. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who Grace Hopper is? Sure. Actually, um, this is a really funny story. When I first heard about the conference, it was back in like 2010. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when I looked up who Grace Hopper was. And I remember thinking, wow, that's, this is an incredible woman. And, um, and then I wasn't able to attend the conference until this year. And at team meeting, Mark is our VP of product. And he asked me, who is Grace Hopper? And I blanked. I was on the spot and I blanked. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is so terrible. How, do, how could I forget? And I went back um, and looked at the same, uh, the, uh, the same article and there's just so much. She's such an incredible woman. Um, basically, she um, was an admiral in the, in the Navy. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was also one of the most pioneering computer scientists in the field. Um, she was well known for her contributions to 
um, creating the first compiler mm-hmm. for a programming language, which is incredible. And then um, also with coining the term debugging, <laughs> because it was physical removing of bugs from the computers. Well, you say physical is like a moth. Like there was a moth. moth. Yes, right? yes. And so that was was causing the errors in the system. And so by debugging, she was actually removing the bugs. <laughs> and so that's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in my research, I guess she's called the queen of code. Yes. And had it not been, I think World War II was really one of the main catalysts that brought her into the field of of computing from the standpoint that she was a mathematician, she yep. was a professor, mm-hmm. and it was World War II and our entry in the war that brought her to uh, Harvard, right. where she worked very closely with uh, the, the staff there in working on what would, at the time, be called like one of the earliest versions of a computer. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in my own research, that led to, as you say, the compiler or the development of COBOL. Yeah. Am I saying that right? COBOL. COBOL. Uh, yeah. Computer business oriented language, and which today apparently 70% of computer systems are actively using COBOL, I guess, as a programming language. Oh, wow. I yeah. didn't know that it was that high. Yeah, or at least as far as 2000. So maybe it's changed since then. But anyway, pretty amazing contribution to computer science has been a massive role model, I think, for a lot of folks overall. Now, sadly, she died in 1992. Mm-hmm. But then two years later, working with the Anita Borg organization, they created this um, celebration, the Grace Hopper celebration. And I think the first meeting in 1994, so a little over 20 years ago, 500 people gathered. Mm-hmm. So two years after her death, 500 people get together to celebrate her to talk about computer science. My understanding is that this event in 2015 had about 12,000 Yes. participants am i right yes. oh you were there so yes we, so tell us about the event uh, paint a picture for us what it was like because it was in houston right yes, it was in houston at the convention center there mm-hmm. and like you said there were about twelve thousand people there mostly female but we did have a great male turnout this year mm-hmm. um and so it was a huge venue lots of different discussions keynotes plenary talks and roundtable discussions mm-hmm. where Everybody would get together and listen to just various issues of diversity in tech and women in tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of conversations regarding diversity, and I think it, it stems to not just gender, but also race and minorities in computing and really looking at ways to attract more talent into the space. Absolutely. Right? What were some of, if you had to look at you know the overall first impressions, because this is your first time attending yes. the Grace Hopper? It was so, both of our first times. Oh, okay, so mm-hmm. what were some of your first impressions just kind of walking in? Oh my goodness. My first impression walking was, this is huge. This is incredible. Like there's such a big community for, um, for uh, like all of us to kind of like connect with. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of my main goals in attending the conference was to just be more deeply involved in that community and get to know other people. And it was, everyone I met was just so inspiring. And so, um, so like hardworking and, um, and it was, it was great being able to talk to them about a lot of the things that um, crossed my mind and around like career development and like diversity and like team culture and things like that. And it was just really fantastic to be able to feel that with like everyone in that community, mm-hmm. including the men there. Yeah. So it was it was awesome. Yeah. And there was definitely such an energy in the place as well. The main uh, conference room was almost like a concert hall. Yeah, so, <laughs> with the lights and everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it was a huge open auditorium where everybody would go for some of the main presentations and there was just a great energy and everybody was pretty upbeat and it was uplifting and being around so many women in tech when you 
usually don't see quite as many um, in your organization or or in the area. Uh, yeah, it was just it was really great. Well, and I have to imagine so some of it is almost like this shared experience from the standpoint that you know if you've had challenges in the past to be surrounded by people who have shared similar challenges. Um, in moving through computer science. And so there was a couple of notes that you took, Joyce, and that you shared as well, Kristen, that I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about. So um, I found this really interesting. So Hillary Mason did a keynote. She's the founder and CEO of Fast Forward Labs. And you noted that you see that what it means to be a computer engineer is changing. Can you expand a little bit on what she shared? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the points that she made that was very like w one of the biggest takeaways that I took away from her keynote especially um, was that the computer engineering world just the industry itself is changing mm -hmm. and um, rather than think about what do I want to be when I grow up and or what do I want to be in five years or what do I want to be in 10 years you have to kind of think about like how the industry is changing as well mm -hmm. and where you want to be in that world and how you what you can do to create that world um, in the future. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really incredible because growing up, you kind of don't think of it in that way. And being, being able to see that perspective was very inspirational to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. They, some of the jobs in technology that exist today didn't exist, you know, five, 10 years ago. Yeah. And so one thing that's really fun about this industry is that you are creating the jobs that will be around and available in five to ten years so mm -hmm. you can kind of instead of thinking of which specific job you want mm -hmm. or which specific role you can design your own mm -hmm. so it sounds like it's less about choosing a specific profession or choosing a specific job but instead moving in the direction towards solving a, some kind of problem or pursuing some kind of passion and it's funny that you mentioned you know how the jobs that people are doing today didn't exist five or ten years ago and I was reminded my dad was an IBM lifer he worked oh, his wow. entire career at IBM so when I went into the working world it was this mindset of that you would work at one place and stay there and just develop and go up through the ranks yeah. And I remember something that he said when I was young, I must have been about eight or nine years old, and he said to me, it is very likely that the work you're going to do hasn't even been invented. And and it just was so deep and it kind of blew my mind and I never really expected that it would be true because I never would have expected to be working for an organization that's creating, you know, for the financial services industry, something to digitally connect with customers and prospects. Mm -hmm. You know, that didn't exist. Yeah, Facebook didn't exist 10, 11 years ago, mm -hmm. right. you know, so, what's in store that's what's really exciting about what's next and so i i looked at your notes here about how you really want to not think about what you want to be when you grow up but what kind of problems you want to solve and just start moving towards that direction makes it a little kind of a shorter clip yeah and i think one of the main pieces of that like that kind of advice too was that you you have so much opportunity to create this world, right? Mm -hmm. You have this opportunity to be so involved in the future and what the future will be. And that was that was super cool to me because <laughs> I never really thought like, wow, like, yeah, like how do I want, what role do I want to play to create this future? Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was super cool. Well, fast forwarding, you know, which I think is kind of related to this idea of the shorter clip and, and thinking about, you know, what's next, what's next. I thought it was really interesting in your notes when you talked about the idea of quitting, that sometimes quitting is actually the right play. So right. can you expand a little bit about that concept? I think this was based on Denise Brousseau, yes. who was talking about professional development in one of her workshops. Mm -hmm. 
Right. And I think with that, it's just more the idea that you have to have the time to go after passions that you have. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that that means that you're going to have to stop doing things that you're currently doing to focus on things that you want to be doing. Mm -hmm. Right. You have to get really smart about kind of what you want to do and how you want Prioritization. to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And what you're what you're looking to accomplish. And this, you know, it's funny. I've had this conversation with my wife, Kim, having to do with negotiations. Oh, so, man. yeah, let's talk a little bit about that, because I think part of the takeaway there is that men and women do negotiate differently. Absolutely. Right. So what was your takeaway from that conversation? Um, so this workshop was very interesting. Um, one of the great things that the conference did was they had these several hour long workshops that were mm-hmm. specifically around kind of career development and um, and growing into the role that you want Mm -hmm. and um it's kind of an interesting topic because of the fact that like we don't like as engineers we don't always think about that um and as you kind of like develop in your role and you see more and more opportunities you need to understand the tools to be able to think about that correctly and in a way that helps you um and so one of this was from one of the workshops that i attended and i i thought it was fantastic but um in regards to negotiations it it's very interesting to see how negotiating on behalf of someone else mm-hmm. puts you in a very different mindset than when you think about negotiating for yourself. Mm-hmm. And so we did a couple of different exercises that really like made that poignant. And um, so the takeaway was basically to not think of negotiation as such a personal kind of like like you're going into battle kind of thing. It's more just you're solving a problem. You feel like you you need to... The problem is that like you feel you deserve a different amount, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're just going to your manager to resolve this situation more than anything. And so I think um, just being straightforward and honest about that is usually the best way to go. It's just difficult because we have this like mind block around it. Mm-hmm. And so being able to practice that was something that that she was kind of hitting on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Cheryl Sandberg brought this up in her her keynote as well um, that I thought was really interesting. Uh, she framed it as think of negotiation, not as something you're doing for yourself, but especially for women, think of it as something you're doing on behalf of, of all women. You're trying to get your pay up so that way all of the pay and the numbers for the average goes up. Right. Actually, one of the um, one of the lunchtime sessions we had like different tables for like different topics at different tables and there was just a bunch of like random people sitting around and talking about whatever they wanted to and negotiation was one of the topics and um one of the the attendees there she was talking about how she felt like she wanted to bring this up with her manager but she was really nervous and she doesn't know how to do it in a way that's productive and um i remember i was thinking well like we already know the statistics. We already know that like women on average get paid what's like 70, 70, 70 cents to the dollar. Right. And so I was like, well, you have to negotiate because you have to like resolve that issue. Right. right and yeah. she was like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I should be asking for more then because that's, <laughs> that's like a fact. Mm-hmm. And so might as well just like try and resolve that balance there. Right. So go in and ask for a little bit more than you right, because think it's, that you deserve. It's, there's already data that says that like you probably deserve a little more. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited about the fact that there was like these workshops, a real skill set development so that you can actually apply back to the workplace. So I am anticipating the two of you got raises as soon as you got back. 
<laughs> well, I think part of the central theme, and I was I was kind of paraphrasing from the blog post here, had to do with really promoting women in technology. And, and then one of these takeaways that I thought was really how the community needs to support each other. It's that whole idea we lift each other up. And I think that's one yeah. of the things that came out of Clara's session. So one of the things that um, that I walked away with, too, from the conference was that this implicit bias that mm-hmm. gets in the way of a lot of kind of like pro- like progress in promoting diversity and getting diversity into the industry um, is not just held by the the dominant group in the industry. Um, it's also held by the minorities themselves. So, mm-hmm. for instance, this implicit bias to associate men with um, being ambitious and being successful and then women with being like difficult to work with and um, emotional and things like that is a bias that's held by both men and women. And so in a lot of situations, um, we we don't provide the support for each other mm-hmm. as we should. And so it's something that I feel like we need to just kind of understand through the science and through all the studies that we've seen um, that exists and just practice kind of instilling that more and more into the culture. And I think the, the community does a fantastic job already. I think it's just a matter of um, just continuing that and growing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's also just you know making women aware that that implicit bias is something that we have ourselves. And so one of the things that we really need to do is support each other and be aware of that bias, but also contradict it and bring each other up and support each other. And I think Clara said something like, when you raise raise up one woman, it lifts all of us. Right. Mm-hmm. That yeah, might she, not be the exact quote. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the sentiment was definitely there. And um, and it was, it was awesome to see that kind of exude from the conference too. Like everyone was just there to like want to talk and like help each other and um, connect and try and provide some advice or some feedback around how to improve a situation that like was brought forth. And yeah. one of the, um, speaking of Cheryl Sandberg, we went to the session that was about lean in circles, which mm-hmm. is um, just kind of these groups of, uh, of, of women and I guess everyone else who all, uh, wants to be involved um, around kind of like the concept of supporting each other and promoting the, the growth that you can amongst each other. And, um, and that was one of the key themes there yeah. is that you practice that and mm-hmm. you you encourage that more and more. Yeah. It, and what my takeaway from that is that is that we almost underestimate our what what we're capable of, right? What we can do. And I and I love that whole idea of like we need to not only help each other out to raise the, you know, raise every boat, raise the entire a group or anybody for that matter, but also to celebrate these successes. And in hearing that, I was reminded, and it's ironic because my it's one of my, my daughter's favorite movies, Akilah and the Bee. Did you ever see oh, that I movie? Oh, I didn't see that oh. one. I heard such great. So they had it. this quote, and it's uh, it's a quote that's attributed to uh, Marianne Williamson, and it has to do that you know our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. And then it continues. I'll include it a link to this quote because it's beautiful and it really has to do with the fact that we underestimate our power we underestimate what we're capable of and i think that part of going to a conference like that and getting away from your workplace gives you an opportunity to kind of reflect and think about what am i doing what is my role how could i be better how can i 
how can I light other candles? Like, how can I bring other people up? And you do a great job because, you know, you, you, we've got these interns that are coming in from, you know, various universities. And I, I know that last time you, when we interviewed you in, in episode 33. Yeah, we brought you in Yola. Exactly. Yeah. And it was just really kind of encouraging the fact that it's saying, look, I've had this opportunity. I've had this uh, opportunity to create, to develop. And now let me pass on some of this knowledge. And I think that that's all kind of key to what we're talking about here. Absolutely. I think you you hit the nail on the head. Like one of the things that I walked away with um, that was probably the main theme that I walked away with was that we have to support each other, but we also have to support ourselves. Mm -hmm. And um, you have to kind of recognize that like you you have made so many um, accomplishments in, in your career. And it may not always feel that way, but like you have to be able to see that and you have to be able to champion that and you have to be able to like look beyond that and think like, okay, we, I've, I've gotten this far. Like, what can I do next that will, will grow my opportunities even further, right? And that's something that like you don't always think about because you're, you're really like focused on your work, you're really heads down and things like that. But with, with that support of celebrating your success, your successes as well as the successes of others, mm-hmm. I feel like we'll just naturally create that environment well, where we are a lot more um, accommodating to, um, to situations that allow for diversity to be engaged and fully involved in this community for much longer than we've actually seen mm-hmm. in the past. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm reminded of just recently, the last episode was the one that we had with Ronnie. And mm-hmm. it was almost tongue in cheek, but we said his entire journey across America started with that single step. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's an incremental steps. And I think that part of what hinders us as an organization, and I'm not saying just here, say social, I think all organizations are somewhat hindered by the fact that we are looking at everything quarter by quarter. Yep. And so when you're only looking at these three month clips, the incremental increase or growth is, is you know, small. But when you back away and look at it at a year or two years or five years, look at the evolution of Hearsay Social, what it was five, six years ago to what it is today, and even look at what it was at the beginning of this year to what it is today. So we started the year with a single product. Yep. Right? And now we keep introducing new products and new services and new things that are really making an impact on the industry. And so when you kind of back away from it and you look at that, you go, wow, I've been part of this. You know, I've been contributing to this. Although it feels like a little bit each day, that adds up. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I was thinking about too was that, um, like, initiating any sort of change, initiating like a new project or things like that, it's it's easy, right? Like you just take the first step. Mm-hmm. But what's difficult is getting that change to stick, right? Mm-hmm. You have to repeat it. You have to take that ex. Like Ronnie had to walk <laughs> step after step after step, right? And that's where it gets like difficult, and you run into. Um, challenges and you run into doubt you run into that imposter syndrome which we like haven't even hit on but we like we love to talk about we'll because talk it's, about it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so it's so true it's so like prevalent um so so what is the imposter syndrome the imposter syndrome is really thinking that you're not adequate at what you're doing but everybody else is so mm-hmm. you see other people and their success but you might not see your own success mm-hmm. and how you're how good you are at what you're doing and so you it's just a self-doubt yeah it's that feeling where um y- you feel like you're you're faking it you don't and belong, you're yeah. yeah and um and you're tricking everyone into believing that you're doing something and you and, don't want them and to you know don't want them, to, them. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't want them to find out like oh actually i, I have no idea what's going on mm-hmm. which isn't which isn't like really true but that's that 
feeling, that feeling of doubt, right? And it's so prevalent, especially in women um, in tech, because of the fact that like they 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 don't they don't see a lot of other women in tech doing mm-hmm. what they are doing or doing what they want to be doing, and so it's easy for them to to think like. I'm like I'm, I'm faking it. I'm like I'm getting by. Like I'm tricking these people into believing that like I'm actually doing something, mm. and um, and that's very common. I I feel like not only just in women and in, in the industry too. Like I feel like there's a lot of other people, a lot of like other diversity groups, and like well, just in general. And I think some of that starts from the fact that some people get into computer science and get into engineering and and playing with video games and coding them themselves at a very young age. Right. And some people don't enter until a lot later in life. Um, so I, for example, taught myself to code after I graduated from grad school. Oh, really? So wow. Yeah, so it was actually really late in life. And so you see people who have been doing it for 10, 20 years, and they're the same age as you, and you just feel like you're not quite at their level. but Everybody has different experiences and knows different things. There's a ton to know about this field. Yeah, so. actually, one of the great things that um, so we we love to have these like monthly ladies of product meetings mm-hmm. and just to like kind of hang out and like you know support each other and just have a good time, right? Um, and Clara attended one of our our events one time, and we were talking about this, and we're like, well, well Clara, like you've you've been so successful. And um, you, you've been such a role model to us. Like, does the imposter syndrome go away? And she said, absolutely not. Hmm. And it, it's incredible to believe that, you know, mm-hmm. because like, how can you, how can you doubt yourself? You've done such great work. And um, well, she thought she was. She had it the entire time she was at university, and she yeah. graduated valedictorian, <laughs> first, first in in computer science, right. too. Right. And so it's it's incredible how like that. That's always there, and um, and it doesn't really hold a lot of truth. But like you, the more you're aware of it, I feel like the mm-hmm. more you can kind of like deal with it. Productively. Fake it till you make it. Fake it till uh-huh. you make it. Yes. Well, and I think that that's changing, and it'll take a little while. And I think it starts when you're young, because mm-hmm. over the weekend we were actually evaluating uh, high schools, and we're going through these tours. So my daughter's in eighth grade, and so now we're touring, checking out different high schools. We saw this one high school this weekend, which was outstanding, that they actually offer uh, coding. You know, it's, a, it's an elective nice. course, um, you know, that they can do that. The fact that they're actually introducing it, much like they have other language skills, whether you want to learn French or Japanese or Spanish, they also have coding. Um, however, in talking to the professor who actually manages the class, still says that it still skews heavily, or it still skews heavier towards male right. participation as female. So what I'm saying is that the opportunity is there and it's really, I think, upon us to kind of encourage more women and minorities and different groups to actually start taking these elective courses to understand the language so that it creates opportunities for them. Or make it not an elective and make it a requirement. (laughs) There you go, that's a better choice. Yeah, I think um, the main kind of like push in this community is not to like force more and more women into like STEM, like. Mm -hmm areas and things like that it's it's just to make it clear that that if you if this is what you love to do like you should be able to do it like Mm -hmm. without any sort of doubt without any sort of hesitation like the industry the industry is there and you will do fantastically in it and um by allowing like younger kids to understand that this is an option and be able to explore it and understand like what it entails Right, I and feel just like, get exposure to it. Yeah, just uh, getting exposure to it, and um, and this is an option. 
that has nothing to do with your gender. Mm-hmm. You know, like you should you should be able to do it. Like if you love it, you just should go into it mm-hmm. kind of right. thing. And the industry is huge and it's growing every year and it's going to be a huge part of the future. And mm-hmm. the jobs that exist in the future, many of the new ones will come out of this industry. So getting kids into it at a young age and getting them exposure and confidence in this domain will really contribute to their future success in it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one of the other notes that you had had to do with branding, which is something we in marketing are always talking about. So can you share a little bit about what you meant by figuring out your brand? Right, so this was also one of the workshops that was um, on the first day of the conference. And um, she spoke about how you have to be very conscious of your brand because mm-hmm. even if you're not thinking about it, you have one, right? So the people around you, the people you work with, the people you interact with, um, they have constructed a brand and of you based on their experiences of you and like how you present yourself and things like that, right? And um, the problem, that we have in our career development is being is having that set unintentionally so you have to actively think about it and mm-hmm. actively like come up with a brand um that that works to not only um like who you are now and who you want to be um in this current state but also like where like where you want to get to right mm-hmm. and um and so she had a couple of good points I, I put in some slides in the notes as well and i remember one slide was um the best way to kind of focus on a brand is um you have to marry what you are naturally good at what you like to do and also what your industry needs mm. and that was really interesting because it was like the the way i always thought about like what do you want to be or who do you want to be? It was just, just all about like passion and skill and things like that. And, it, um, and that like that consciousness of like that space in the industry is something that's very like professional to kind of think about. Mm-hmm. And, um, and very important because, um, it has to work, you know, you, it, you have to be conscious of it and, um, you have to do your research. And so I thought it was super interesting because, um, as, I guess as engineers, we don't often think about that because our, our brand is not as like um, external mm-hmm. um, as, as is like marketing or like sales or like customer success, right? Um, and so the points that she made were kind of like, oh yeah, like I've never really thought about that. Hmm. Um, and so... Yeah, because you almost have to think of yourself as you're selling your brand mm-hmm. to solve a problem. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely something that engineers don't necessarily think of themselves as doing, but it's pairing your skills and what you're good at with something that the industry needs. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that part of it is the only time people really do think of themselves as brands is whenever they're looking for work and they brush up on their resume and they want to, you know, the presentation of your best self mm-hmm. to get that. And what I'm hearing is that it's something that you almost constantly need to be working on. Right. Both, you know, whether you're looking for work or even in your existing place of work to reinforce exactly who you are. Right. Right. right? And you have control over it too. Mm-hmm. So you have control over the perception that people have of you and what your personal brand is. So you can shape the brand. You can shape your personal brand around what you want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I gotta say, working here at Hearsay Social, uh, the one thing that I found somewhat surprising because we have a lot more interaction with the engineering group and with the folks in product was how many of the people in engineering and product are, are I would say, skew more towards the extroverted 
side as opposed to an introverted, <laughs> which kind of broke a little bit of a stereotype that I had, which I thought that most people who were engineering were kind of heads down, you know, more comfortable in the computer screen and just kind of punching away. But there's a very social aspect to it. Okay. And there's a lot of collaboration. I think that's built into our culture. Mm -hmm. Would you mm -hmm. agree? Mm -hmm. We're a very social group. We <laughs> well, are. It's in our name, so it should yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're very social. But I also like that, like, um, the, the relationships that we have outside engineering too, because inside mm -hmm. engineering, we love to just like hang out and have a great time. But like even outside of engineering, it's fantastic. Like the fact that we, I, I know I, I spoke about this um, mm -hmm. when Yolo and Garland were here earlier, um, but um, yeah, it's just fantastic that we promote engineers to want to kind of like break that mold, right? Mm -hmm. Like we want engineers to like focus on like developing that relationship with like the sales org and understanding like how are we demoing these products and how are we um, speaking to the field about like our product and our, our mission. Sure. And um, and having the engineers be closer to that, I feel like make us better engineers. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And we also have so much diversity on our team mm -hmm. as well. So there really isn't anybody on the team that fits the stereotypical engineer mold um everybody's a little bit different and right. so everybody kind of has their own their own brand and, and yeah like ev everyone seems to have varying degrees of that engineering tendency yeah. um i know i definitely get into those modes at times um but but for the most part like it, it's it is diverse and i feel like that's kind of going back to like the importance of diversity too mm -hmm. it, like it's it just promotes so much more growth and so many more ideas and so much more conflict which is i think a good thing because mm -hmm. you learn so much more from it and you um come out of conflict usually with new information or like a lot stronger a lot stronger yeah right and then and i said that, that this is something that in one of my first exposures was going to an industry event and this is when that you was and where i, I first met you right? yeah yeah when we went to the sifma compliance and legal society we were in orlando mm -hmm. i had been with the company less than i think a week or yeah. so, and I was like, and you, and you're, I'm Joyce, and I, well, what department are you in? And I'm thinking sales, marketing. She's like, I engineer, and I was like, wow, it just kind of blew my mind that we would actually have engineers coming to an event like this to give you that direct exposure to our end user customers and the people who are making these decisions. But at the same time, I think that our customers or prospects are very impressed by the fact that we are bringing the people who are building and developing these, you know, the solution mm -hmm. to be at this event. It, and it goes to show to me, um, which is always one of my favorite things at the company kickoffs and the, when we get together as an organization, that we celebrate the role that each one of the departments plays in the overall delivery of us as a company. You know, so you look at sales, marketing, engineering, product, you know, you can go down the list everybody contributes mm -hmm. and so we all win together mm -hmm. right? we all celebrate together exactly mm -hmm. well a lot of great takeaways from the celebration that took place in Houston was there anything that you personally kind of took away and are possibly approaching things differently as a result of attending the event so I think the main thing that I took away was just to keep this state of mind this mm -hmm. the energy and you know, the positivity of this environment and, and bring it back to our company at least and share it with the other women in tech that we have here and everybody here and just keep it going. What about you, Joyce? What did you take away? Um, I definitely took away uh, a very large experience I don't know mm -hmm. how else to say it but there was a lot th there was a lot of different angles there was a lot of different perspectives a lot of different learnings and like I did walk away from it feeling 
energized and inspired and wanting to to promote it even more and um and i think kristen is exactly right like that Mm -hmm. feeling you want to keep up and you want to do more to kind of like promote it and share it with everyone which is why um, I was so eager to get those notes out to everyone. And I love <laughs> that people actually responded to them, yes. you know, because um, I think there's so much to be learned from it. And I just wanted to share it with, with everyone because it was so fantastic being able to attend and like feel it. And you just want to share that and, uh, and keep it going for as long as you can. Well, I want to thank the two of you, Natalie, for uh, attending but also to sharing those notes. I have five pages of notes here. Awesome, uh, I love it. Joyce had shared, and that was a lot of the basis of our conversation today, so thank you for sharing these notes and your observations and for participating, because there you go. You're already passing along your learnings to us to understand exactly what this experience, and I'm guessing you would go back given the opportunity to revisit Grace Hopper and uh, continue with that celebration. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, thank you both for joining and sharing your thoughts on the event. And uh, we'll have you on the show again soon. Thank you so much, Victor. Thanks, Victor. Okay, Kristen, so you're not quite out of the woods just yet because we have yet to ask you the three questions that we ask all new employees. This is your opportunity to share once again your favorite movie? Uh, my favorite movie is My Cousin Vinny. My Cousin Vinny? Yes. Oh, I that's love a great that. movie. I can watch it in pretty much any mood uh-huh. and it makes me happy. Yeah. The youth. The youth. <laughs> oh, the youth. The youth. I love it when he shows up in that old southern suit. Oh my gosh. You know, he's so trying to show respect. It's so, it is a great So film. many parts of that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Marissa Tomei. Uh, the guy who was uh, the Munster, right? I forgot what his <laughs> name is, but anyway, who was the judge? Outstanding movie. Um, favorite color? My favorite color is blue. Blue, mm-hmm. okay. Royal blue. Royal blue. And then, of course, this has become a popular question now, but what is your spirit animal? I would have to say a bull. A bull. Because I'm a Taurus, and I was also actually born in the Chinese year of the ox. Mm-hmm. So my mother loves to say that I'm doubly stubborn, but <laughs> of course I won't believe it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a good choice considering that we support the financial services industry. So, right? you know, we more bulls than bears. Right. So way to go. Well, thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Awesome. Great. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm glad we had a little bonus segment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even more content. Oh, I should say. All right. So with that shameless plug, we are hiring. So you got to check out Hearsay <laughs> Social dot com slash careers and uh, join the family. This has been a Hearsay Social production, recorded in our state-of-the-art recording studios in San Francisco, California, the Great Golden State, seated at the watery edge of the majestic Pacific Ocean. We'd like to take this brief moment in the vast expanse of time to thank you, our listeners, for lending us your ears, for we understand that your time is precious. Like the most delicately crafted pearl, cradled at the bottom of the sea. 
Truly, we hope to our most inner heart and soul that you'll consider joining us for next week's episode. But until then, Godspeed, and follow us on Twitter 